1: bring in show music, please.
0: This is SquawkPod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, famed tech investor Kathy Wood, her best month ever and her calls for what's
2: still to come. We do believe and we have been saying for some time that uh, the inflation is unwinding. We think that the market is leading the Fed. ARK Invest's big ideas for
0: 2023 and Kathy
2: Wood's next big bet in tech. We have a lot of debates about the commoditization uh, associated with artificial intelligence. The key here is who has the proprietary data?
0: AI, ChatGPT, and all its uses. If you use them. You haven't tried it yet? Nope. Michael. I'm not
1: going to bring on my own obsolescence. Yeah.
0: Plus, social media's ad spend and Snap's rough road ahead. But there's hope in our youngest. What's going to be the end
3: story for Snap, I wonder?
4: Your kids aren't old enough. There's a generation that's on it.
0: <laughs> it's Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now.
4: Stand under by in three, two, one, cue Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market set in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Kelly Evans this morning and Mike Santoli who are hanging out. Joe and Becky, are off. It's nice to see everybody. I haven't seen you in person in a very, very long
3: time. It is early. (laughs) It is early.
4: And... um, we got a lot to do.
3: Snap shares this morning are plunging. Earnings beat estimates, but revenue fell a little short. They reported 375 million daily active users. That was a little below estimates. Average res revenue per user also fell short. They didn't give a forecast for the coming year, although the investor letter included a user forecast that was also short of estimates. And the letter twice mentioned the, quote, rapid deceleration in digital advertising growth. In fact, here's Snap CEO Evan Spiegel on the call.
5: It seems like advertising demand hasn't really improved, but it has gotten significantly worse either I mean obviously the brand spend is significantly reduced uh, like we saw in the quarter but our direct response business you know, continued to grow in Q4 and in general it seems like our partners are just managing their spend very cautiously so that they can react quickly to any changes uh, you know in, in the environment.
3: People are taking it it's not just a snap story other social media stocks are down as well so snap by the way is down 15 and a half percent pre-market meta down about one and a half percent they report after the bell like Pinterest down two and a half percent. What does it tell you that digital ad spend for them was so challenged? And he kind of glossed over it's, Oh, yeah, you know, brands have been quite weak, but direct response is better. But the fact that brands would be that weak, which is a theme that we've heard, suggests what is going on in the, these kind of big marketing departments at corporate America.
4: That they've just cut, slashed, slashed, and burned. and that, Easier that's stuff was, to cut. It's the brand yeah. stuff. It's always the brand campaign that goes first, right? I mean, the direct stuff, you want to keep the direct stuff because you can actually measure the ROI. The brand stuff, you can't. So, And that's, by the way... Some degree, you know, we're going to hear from Meta, but you, you think about what's happening with Twitter. Put aside whatever you think of politics or this or that or brand safety or whatever. Twitter's product, up until now, at least the way it was built, was really for brand advertising. So it's getting sort of the double whammy of That's a good point, a brand advertising sort of play. But I he's mean, trying to change that.
1: And Snap too is it's really not the scale of 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 of, right. meta, of of google it's under you know 500 million users um it's never proven it's a sustainably profitable business the way they run the costs and the way they're drowning in stock-based compensation so it's tough for an investor i mean right. i think the ipo six years ago was in the 20s so.
3: what's the what's going to be the end story for yeah. snap i wonder
1: i don't know we got
4: founder control yeah <laughs> we we'll see true. what happens true good point your kids aren't old enough, but you'll realize. <laughs> no, no, mine a, are. Yeah, so there's a whole, you know, there's a generation that's on it. <laughs> still, uh, and, and they're 100% still. 100% uh. locked and loaded. Let's talk uh, some more tech because we have a CNBC scoop this morning. Google testing now a new AI powered chat product that is likely influencing a future public launch. CNBC viewed internal documents and spoke with sources about those efforts, which were described as a c- code red response to chat GPT. Now, Google leaders have been asking employees for feedback on potential products in recent weeks. You can read a lot more about the products being tested right now on CNBC.com. Of course, it almost seems like no tech conversation, no no business conversation can happen without somehow chat GPT being invoked. And interestingly, Google's been working on products like chat GPT far longer than I think OpenAI ever was. I mean, by the way, similarly, Microsoft and other, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people doing this. And then you know, Sam Altman comes out. Though by the way, everybody knew Sam Altman was working on this for years. So it's unclear to me why, you know, everyone's So it you is know, weird.
3: It's hiding in plain sight. And then it was when right you, there. But you use it and, and you're you're never the same. <laughs> I would argue. It, I mean it's if you've ever asked it to thing. write a poem, you know, or how does it know how to write a haiku about, you know, I could I could ask it to write a haiku about the Fed right now. It wouldn't it would have no problem. You know who loves it? Realtors. There's a huge, realtors are obsessed with ChatGPT. Really? Because they can quickly write listings, you know, right. write a listing about a five bed, three bath, you know, whatever. Right. It gets done in a, in a nanosecond. They can even ask it stuff like, what would the monthly payment be for, you know, an $800,000 house with this many points and this interest rate? And it'll give them an answer. Right. And they're like, we, <laughs> our lives will never be the same.
4: Okay. So here's the question in the morning, to just to go off business for a second, to make it personal. <laughs> I have a son. I have two sons. One of them had to give a speech at like a family event recently. Huh. Uh, he wrote three paragraphs that were really actually quite good. But then he put it into chat GPT and it turned to like six or seven or eight. Par- and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the question is, which speech do you let him read? and this to me as a as this becomes like it's a big this is yeah. a question happening in education in families all over but, but the, what
3: would be the point of having him read the chat gpt version just to work on his articulation i mean is he presenting it as his own
4: well that well a the question is do you, how do you present are you saying this is the chat GP? i don't think anyone's saying this is chat that. GP. i think this is saying this is what i'm <laughs> saying yeah and and yes it it improves it's a little bit like I mean, we're way off topic, but like, do you know what Grammarly is? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. It's uh, which is which is like a hyped up, or more or more, so, more sophisticated version of spell check. Right. In the old days.
3: Right. But now there's people who say you know they 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 won't write without Grammarly. Right. Maybe now they won't write without ChatGPT.
1: That's the question. But I, I mean, I would definitely. This is why say, I haven't even tried it.
3: You haven't tried it yet? Nope. Michael. I'm not
1: going to bring on my own obsolescence. Yeah. <laughs>
3: No, but they, it, they What's going to happen, do. happen. They are, they are nowhere on a Santoli No, they're a tool.
1: They're, 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 it's a tool. It's going to be a lot more in-class exams. That's my theory, too. Yeah,
3: so, for sure. Yep. Good point.
1: Shares of Match Group also down sharply. The company swung to a profit in the most recent quarter, but saw revenue decline slightly. Match's current quarter guidance came in below estimates. Match cited poor product execution at Tinder, as well as a tough economy and a stronger dollar. It also said its hinge business was hit by product delays. Tinder is preparing to launch its first global marketing campaign to improve brand perception. That uh, Match Group uh, shares had come back after a tough year, uh, but are down nine and a half percent
3: now. What, what product launch at Hinge? I wonder. The,
4: You're
1: asking the, the wrong thing?
4: competition <laughs> from Raya or what, Raya? Yeah. What's going on here? Is I that a new th- new thing? I think that's an old thing. Oh. But I don't. I, I,
1: I, my my sense from covering the company is that there is a bit of an arms race, and and people get bored with the same functionality, and you have to look for a new pool and a new something, and maybe get people to pay. There's like video subscribe chat to and separate stuff. features. Yeah,
3: and it's tougher to, to stay ahead of it. What happens when ChatGPT writes the bios? Here is that.
4: I'm sure, sure it's already doing yeah, that. Maybe right? it is. Yeah, a feature yeah. or a.
3: Button? Well, they already
1: have that. The the AI enhanced uh, photo avatars so and yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs>
0: Next on Squawk Pod, ARK Invest CEO, Kathy Wood. Her base case for the markets,
2: What we've been through is a a very big inflation and interest rate scare that hit long duration assets uh, incredibly hard, uh, including long term bonds. And her bullish
0: case for tech, crypto and so much more.
2: Chat GPT has finally caught the public's imagination. Uh, We've been working on artificial intelligence for a long time now. And I I think uh, some of the things we're seeing are, are, are just the beginning. Where Kathy Wood is putting her money to
0: work in 2023, right after this.
2: From their
5: innovative practice facility
0: Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. This next conversation is an interview with Kathy Wood, the CEO and CIO of ARK Invest. Wood is a famously bold investor, popular, nearly idolized really, by Reddit traders and retail investors, for her deep belief in disruptive technologies. Her top holdings right now? Tesla, Block, Coinbase, UiPath, to name a few. Her ARK Innovation ETF has about $7 billion under management, but it used to have over $9.5 billion. The fund is down 48% over the past 52 weeks. And for the last two years, it's down 72%. But so far in 2023, the flagship fund of Kathy Bay, or Aunt Kathy, as the Redditors affectionately named her, is up nearly 28%. ARK reported its best month ever in January. And so, after reporting that, Kathy Wood came on CNBC with us to share all her best ideas
4: for the rest of the year. Here's Andrew. Kathy, it is uh, great to see you. Uh, it has been a heck of a, a month. It's been a heck of a two years, it's been a heck of a five years. Frankly, we've been talking sort of about all of it. Um, but also, I know you have some new ideas about uh, what's going to happen this year and uh, maybe some of the, your best ones. But before we get to that, I, I'm just sort of curious, your broader, broader context in terms of how you're thinking about the market and how you're thinking about your own performance, both in the January period, we got the Fed, the backdrop of the Fed as part of that, but also just uh, the larger backdrop over the past couple of years.
2: Sure. Uh, I think um, what we've been through is a, a very big inflation and interest rate scare that hit long duration assets uh, incredibly hard, uh, including long term bonds last year. Uh, the worst performance in the bond market since the 1700s. That's how bad this was. And of course, that was going to really hurt our strategies. Um, But uh, we do believe, and we have been saying for some time, that uh, the inflation is unwinding. We think the the market is leading the Fed. The bond market, I think we're down to 3.5% today on the 10-year Treasury bond yield. Uh, The the bond market is basically saying the Fed is close to the end of this tightening move and is also saying that inflation will surprise on the low side of expectations, which means uh, when we look back that the past two years, inflation issue and interest rate issue has been a function of massive supply shocks to the system. And I noticed that even uh, Janet Yellen Uh, uh, This week said that she believes that uh, inflation is probably going to surprise on the low side and stay there and might even become a problem. Larry Summers, same thing. He's saying, "Wait a minute! The the economy is much weaker than I thought." So, I think we're close to the end. Uh, so, you think of this- Jay Powell is
4: going like, to, and you, and in terms of the language Jay Powell might use later today, you think it's going to be a little softer rather than sort of a, a hawkish tone?
2: You know, I I have no idea. I I, I don't know. I've been surprised at how unanimously uh, this Fed board has voted, given how weak its own Federal Reserve Bank districts are. Uh, according to their own report. So I don't know. Um, uh, I do know that the market is leading the Fed. And I also know that innovation solves problems. And we have a lot of problems now, including the Fed being so tight and activity uh, becoming so weak in so many areas. So, you know, we put out big ideas uh, last night, uh, these are our Big Ideas 2023. Very excited. Uh, uh, and the first one you see there is artificial intelligence, which, of course, uh, chat GPT has finally caught the public's imagination. Uh, we've been working on artificial intelligence for a long time now. And I, I think uh, some of the things we're seeing are are, are just the beginning of, um, of the impact that artificial intelligence is going to have on every sector, every industry, every company. Who do you think, though, is the
4: biggest beneficiary or winner of that? Obviously, obviously, Tesla has been a big uh, investment for you, and AI is a huge part of uh, what they're trying to do. Again, we've had a, a big debate on this program, and I, I think in the markets for a long time, about whether they're a car company or whether they're a tech company. I know you're, you're, you're in the tech camp, but what, what do you say to those who, who say, at least from the, the unit economics today, that it's a car company? Uh,
2: well, I, I would say that it's um, just even its own gross margin structure uh, would tell you there's something else going on here. Its gross margins are going up. Uh, and it's a, a technology company from the point of view of battery technology. It is uh, at the leading edge there. Um, artificial intelligence, as you said, Andrew. Uh, And I think one of the most important things you ask who the winners are going to be, they're going to be those companies with proprietary data and large pools of high quality proprietary data. And you'll see many of our stocks are in that category. Let's talk
4: about some other big ideas. Where where are you um, in the world of crypto? We've been talking about crypto for a long time. I remember you and I had a conversation probably two years ago, talked about Bitcoin going to $500,000. You still mm-hmm. in the same same place?
2: Uh, yes, we are. Uh, in fact, we're a little higher than that in our base case uh, for, for the year 2030. Um, and in our bull case, much higher. If you look at what has happened in the last year, um, actually, Sam Bankman-Fried didn't like Bitcoin at all. And he didn't like it because of its decentralization and transparency. Uh, and what companies and uh, went under? They were the highly centralized, non-transparent, opaque companies. So, FTX, Celsius, uh, Three AC, Three a- a- Arrows Capital. Uh, if you look at what happened to Bitcoin, the network, and Ethereum, the network, uh, they really didn't skip a beat. All transactions uh, were uh, completed. All smart smart contracts opened and closed. So I think that uh, starting with 08, 09, which is when Bitcoin really uh, debuted, uh, and even more so after the the crypto fallout this past year, the collapse in many companies, uh, this idea of transparency and decentralization uh, is taking hold. And Bitcoin and Ethereum are the the two best manifestations of that in the crypto world.
4: Um, ask you a different one. Uh, Amazon Robotics. That's on your list.
2: Yeah. Uh, Amazon is adding about a thousand robots a day. And we do believe that uh, robots account, if I remember correctly, uh, if you compare the number of robots uh, Amazon has to the number of employees, uh, about a third. Uh, and we believe that by the year 2030, uh, Amazon could have more robots than employees. Uh, so we are just at the dawn of the robotics age. And, and I would say artificial intelligence and battery technology are all a part of that movement as well. Uh, Amazon, I believe, has 3,200 uh, robots per 10,000. So I guess that's uh, 10,000 employees. So I guess that's closer to a third If you look at manufacturing uh, in total, uh, there are only, I think, 140 uh, robots per 10,000 people. That is going to change uh, thanks to breakthroughs in uh, artificial intelligence, uh, battery technology, the sensors that we can now cover robots with so, so that we can work with them safely. So pretty excited about the robotics movement. And one of the reasons it's going to happen, I think, Uh, More quickly than most believe now is uh, if you look at the cost declines, which drive all of our models, uh, the cost declines in industrial robots for every cumulative doubling in the number of robots produced. The cost declines are in the 50 to 60 percent range. Uh, That's one of the highest uh, learning curves or steepest learning curves uh, that we are watching right now. So pretty exciting.
3: Kathy, just want to ask specifically how could, if you could, would you invest in open AI or what are the best uh, AI ideas out there right now? Is it too early? Uh, do you think Google would ever kind of catch your attention more on that front or Microsoft? I mean, what what should the typical investor do? Are there any companies that you guys have exposure to because you like what they're doing in AI?
2: Well, most of the companies in our portfolio are there uh, because of some data advantage, and I think that's that's uh, where the secret sauce is going to be. Uh, we have a lot of debates about the commoditization uh, associated with artificial intelligence. If you think of uh, ChatGPT, for example, what does what's it doing? Well, it's scraping the history of the the internet, the entire history and answering questions based on, on that history. Well, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies move in that direction. Uh, and I think the, the key here is who has the proprietary data? You know, what we, um, we just started a, a, a private public crossover fund. Uh, one of the companies in there is Mosaic ML. And uh, we find that one very interesting because it's actually speeding up an already very rapid transition into the artificial intelligence age. So uh, we'll look for some picks and shovels like that. Uh, it's a software company. Uh, but I really think looking at companies' data and what kind of proprietary advantage uh, exact sciences, we just uh, we just just published our model and uh, and our report. and you'll see, how, what uh, an advantage it has in terms of data on cancer, thanks to its molecular diagnostic testing franchise and thanks to its distribution around the world. So, again, have to have to look very carefully. I think there's going to be a lot of commoditization uh, in in this industry, uh, in the whole artificial intelligence movement, and and so you have to look. You have to look at the data. Many people say, "Oh, data is the new gold," as they were talking about the cloud and other movements in technology. I think that's ever more true now with uh, artificial intelligence. Or data is the new oil. I guess is the other one we uh, we sometimes yeah. hear, Kathy. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just want to, just to broaden out again. Uh, you mentioned the inflation and interest rate shock that all the markets uh, have gone through in the last year plus, uh, clearly hitting. You know, emerging growth, pre profit companies that you had uh, owned in concentrated fashion, uh, much harder. But you know, your fund, your flagship fund was at 250% in a year into the peak. Clearly, there was a huge rush into those names. Is there anything since then in terms of how the the market has shown its preferences, in terms of how your portfolio has performed, that's made you kind of revise your approach or think about uh, companies in a different way and and how you allocate capital?
2: Well, um, I think what happened during that period is time horizons shrank to effectively one quarter, if not looking backwards. We will never do that. Uh, We are uh, very focused on the future on the next five years. And in our business, style drift is the kiss of death. So we are going to, we're, we're our focus is solely on disruptive innovation. I think we're the only company in the investment world with this sole focus. All of our research and investing is centered on it. And uh, I, if you look at our big ideas on arc-invest.com, uh, what you will see, is we expect that the, the uh, market value of truly disruptive innovation uh, is going to increase from $13 trillion globally today. So uh, less than roughly 10% of the global equity market Uh, to 200 trillion by the year 2030. That's a 40% compound annual rate of return. And the reason it's going to happen is uh, the exponential growth opportunities uh, that we describe and delineate in our big ideas report. uh, That 40% seems astonishingly high uh, to, to most of us actually, because we've spent the last 50 years in a linear growth world. But thanks to artificial intelligence and the the 14 different technologies around which we have centered our research, uh, we believe that we are ready for prime time for not only exponential growth, uh, but as our chief futurist describes, super exponential growth, which means accelerating growth rates. So we're we're, as the world's time horizon shrank to one quarter. Uh, We stayed with our five-year investment time horizon, and we are positioned for these super exponential growth trajectories. Hey,
4: Kathy, real quick before you go, uh, you're a big investor in uh, GBTC, which is the grayscale uh, Bitcoin fund. It's about 5%, uh, a little over, actually, of your uh, portfolio. I'm curious how you're thinking about that, because, of course, there's a big court date uh, coming up, lawsuit against the SEC over this ETF. Uh, Obviously, it's trading far below its its real or arguably real value. What do you think is going to happen, and and how do you imagine that plays out?
2: Uh, Yes, uh, we have that position is in ARKW, uh, so that's our next generation internet portfolio. Uh, Yes, huge discount there that will close at some point. I have no idea how the lawsuit's going to play out. I do think it's good that uh, this discussion is taking place. I think the SEC has dragged its feet in terms of a Bitcoin uh, ETF while approving a Bitcoin futures uh, ETF. It just doesn't make any sense to us. Uh, So I think uh, I think uh, this discussion is going to be a very good one. And the news around the the trial is going to be very good for 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 Bitcoin generally, uh, as more and more people begin to understand Bitcoin itself and GBTC in particular.
4: Kathy, uh, always good to see you. We appreciate you joining us this morning. See you again uh, soon in person, no less. Thanks. Thank you. Cheese will be
1: next.
0: Coming up on Squawk Pod, our final story of the day. Big profits for big oil, like Exxon. Plus the political backlash that accompanies a very strong financial year.
1: The White House gets to make the point. We're on your side. We want gasoline prices lower just like everybody does. We know that feeds into consumer confidence and poll rating. At the same time, you don't really think something's going to change.
0: We'll be right back.
5: From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway,
0: Listening to Squawk Pod today with Andrew Ross Sorkin, Kelly Evans, and Mike Santoli. And they're wrapping up today's podcast with one final story about big American profits. Here's Kelly. The White
3: House expressed outrage yesterday after ExxonMobil reported its record net profit of $56 billion in 2022. In a statement, the White House said the latest earnings reports make clear that oil companies have everything they need, including record profits and thousands of unused but approved permits to increase production, but they're choosing instead to plow those profits into padding the pockets of executives and shareholders. It's actually a topic that Becky asked Exxon CEO Darren Woods about yesterday, anticipating the potential backlash from the White House. Listen.
4: There was a pretty harsh statement that
3: came last week from the White House when Chevron said that it was jacking up its share buybacks and, and buying back div- and, and raising its dividend as well. That, that you know, look, they, they want to make sure that oil companies are investing and they have been very harsh. Is it just a harder line to walk these days when you have a, a president and a White House that feels
0: that way about things?
1: Well, I think, you know, my first uh, comment would be the White House needs to get his facts straight. If you look at what we've been doing we've invested more than any of our other peers and as i as i said earlier uh, when when times were toughest we were out there investing investing at a level uh, that exceeded anybody else in our industry and so uh, we've done the hard work we've made the investments we had a keen focus on making sure that we had the production there and products available for society when it was needed when the call came we answered it we had spent that money taking criticism at the time and grew our production and are basically providing more products today uh, because of those investments. And so I think we're doing what the White House, in essence, is asking us to do.
3: Well, amid the backlash over oil company profits, CNBC asked Refinitiv to calculate the most profitable SP companies to see where exactly Exxon falls. This accounts for some differences in reporting periods, but the top, what is this, eight over the past uh, four quarters. So number one, Apple, $96 billion in profit. Microsoft, $67 billion. Alphabet right behind them. Exxon, number four with that $56 billion profit. JP Morgan, by the way, in fifth place, $38 billion. Then you've got Chevron. You've even got Pfizer. Then you've got Meta. Uh, as Bob Bassani sort of remarked sarcastically, guys, is it, you know, should we be shaking down Apple to produce more iPhone? I mean, why, why do you think the oil issue hit so much closer to a nerve and triggers all of these kinds of responses about how it's using capital and how it's investing as if it has any control over the oil price. I
1: I personally think that this argument works for all sides just as it is. The White House gets to make the point, they get to say, we're on your side, we want gasoline prices lower just like everybody does. We know that feeds into consumer confidence and poll ratings. At the same time, you don't really think something's going to change. and the company can say, we have enough to go around. We're investing. You know, meanwhile, crude's at the same price it was 15 months ago. So what are we talking about here?
3: Right. I mean we've we've seen that. And them. you windfall. want it to go to
1: zero. So we're, you know.
3: Right, right. We we've seen windfall taxes come down in Europe yeah, most right. notably. So it could happen here. I mean, no, without a doubt. I
1: I I guess my point is like the company can say, we're smart, disciplined stewards of capital, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing on all fronts. And we're, you know,
4: and the let us build another refinery saying. we might but consider it. But the question it, is know? whether you think the politicians actually, if the politicians ever get their act together and actually do what they're saying, what that does, right? Sure. Because that, that's what's happening in Europe.
1: Yeah, which absolutely
4: could happen. So it's, it's, it's hard not just to theater. think that the that's question, going to make it. Right. The question is whether it's theater here or not.
0: Yeah. If you want to catch the rest of that interview with ExxonMobil CEO Darren Woods, we thought you might. Just scroll to Tuesday's episode in your SquawkPod feed. It's waiting for you. That does it for Squawk Pod today. Thank you for listening as always. And remember, you can catch us every day on whatever podcast app you're using now. And it's for free. If you want even more Squawk, Catch our TV broadcast, Squawk Box, live on CNBC every weekday morning, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. We go for three hours, so there's plenty of time to catch Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin with all the biggest business headlines. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.